Welcome to the first episode of The Real Serious Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, along with Charles, and thank you so much for listening to our very first podcast. Charles, how are you? Great. I'm excited. This is really, awesome. really fun. I'm glad we're yeah. doing this. No, New Year. We've been talking about it for a while. Glad we finally kind of got around to doing it, and it wasn't just well, something also, we kept talking about. I feel like everyone goes through that phase, like, we should start a podcast, and it's always like, oh, yeah, like totally, and then nothing ever, ever happens. But it's cool that this is actually happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It got out of the group chat and it made it reality. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, so, yeah. So, big episode, starting off strong. Got some awesome topics like the death of the DC universe. Uh, we're going to talk about what if, and we have very different opinions on that show. Um, but starting off with some news Monopoly is getting their very own movie. They saw the Barbie movie, said we could recreate that success with our Monopoly movie, and. I'm out on this. You're not, you don't like it? No, I don't. I, we kind of talked about it off pod, but like, what are they going to do with this? Well, okay. So I read like a, a quick summary online um, about what it's going to be. I thought it was going to, well, do we know if it's animated? First of all? No, for my opinion, uh, for my understanding, it's live action. Okay. So my thought was, okay, Monopoly movie, it's going to be animated. It's going to resemble the Super Mario Bros. movie where... It's going to kind of go through like a bunch of Easter eggs. It's going to, um, I don't know, just like kind of go through the game almost. But to yeah. me, after reading the summary, I think it's about like three kids who grew up in Baltic Avenue. Um, and Baltic Avenue is like the worst spot. So I'm assuming it's going to be a, like the slums, like pretty poor. Um, yeah. And then they find out the inventor of Monopoly, um, I guess, planted like a code or like a, an Easter egg or something inside the game and now they're trying to explore to find it to i guess maybe like win the game in real life or get so rich is it is it jumanji now like it sounds like ready not... player one. Oh, see i i just don't get it i don't know why like you know it'd be really interesting if they made it like a bunch of rich people got together and forced regular citizens to play monopoly and if you won you got like make it a horror movie and if you won, you got the money. And if you lost, you died or something. It's like Squid Game. Yeah, why not? Make Squid Game, but make it Monopoly. Maybe. My, my, so my thought was the Monopoly man is the villain. That's, yeah. That was my thought. Like He's the mastermind behind everything. It's animated. Um, people are like going through the game. And maybe the movie is about... Um, well, so the pieces are what? It's like a shoe. It's like a hot dog. Yeah. So these this are just, animated, yeah. and they decide to deviate from the usual board, you know? Like, the Monopoly okay. Man always comes out on top in this movie, and they deviate from the board to try to defeat the Monopoly Man and take over and maybe, like, win for the little guy, you know? That's what I thought it was going to be. And hearing that it's live action doesn't really sound like Monopoly. No, it doesn't, but... I don't know. We've been surprised before. Like they made the Tetris movie and it was about them making Tetris and that was actually pretty great. So we'll wait and see, but uh, I'm kind of fully out on this one. I think they're taking the wrong lessons from Barbie, but we'll see. Do you think it was inspired by Barbie? I mean, I think they definitely saw a movie about a toy made a billion dollars and were like, Hey, we should copy that. And instead of the lesson of people want to see original stories, but I don't know. All I know if it's animated, Chris Pratt will probably be the main voice in it. Probably. Cause he, yeah, because he's the voice in everything. So. Well, I think Kevin Hart's the star, right? Oh, even better. 
Yeah. Cannot wait. Yeah. So it will well, be Jumanji. Case. Yeah. No, it's going to be Jumanji. We'll have The Rock in it, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so kind of speaking of that, though, of who's in, who's out of things, Margot Robbie seems to be out of Harley Quinn. She kind of had a quote where it was basically she wants Harley Quinn to be treated as almost Batman, where it kind of goes from one great actress to the next. And while I like that quote, it's pretty obvious she's done. And I'm kind of okay with that. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's doing much better things now. Um, Yeah. No, 100%. She's making a name for herself. She's directing. So I think it's a good move. Plus, like, is Harley Quinn going to be that relevant in this new DC universe? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Harley Quinn is in The Joker 2, the musical, coming out this year. So that'll be a choice. That's a musical? Oh, yeah. Joker 2, the musical with Harley Quinn and the Joker. And Harley Quinn is Lady Gaga. So it's going to be great. What? Yeah. I did not hear about that. No, it's going to be awesome. So we'll have to wait um, and see what that turns out as. But it's So it's a continuation of the first Joker with... Uh... Yeah. What's his name? But it's a musical now? It's a musical, and I'm kind of I'm fully in on that one. That one sounds great. I I don't really know how, how I don't know how I feel about that. Frankly. I, I mean I love musicals. I love them to death. I think they're a lot of fun, but it's just so different from that first movie. That first movie my, was yeah. so dark. How can they go to a, make a musical out of that in the second movie? In my mind, I imagine it as he sees the world through a musical and then slowly over the movie as she becomes also crazy with him, she starts to see the world as a musical. And so it's like, even though there's darkness all around their world and they're doing awful things, to them, it's this upbeat musical. I think that would be a well, very cool way like to that, do it. Put it like that, then. It kind of sounds awesome. Yeah, that kind of sounds cool. And I mean, they got Lady Gaga, so it's going to sound great at least. Yeah. Worst comes to worst. But yeah, okay, you know, I can be, I can get behind that. Yeah, but I kind of agree with Margot. I think that Harley Quinn as a character should kind of continue on in whatever form or function it does in the new DCU, probably a decade from now because they're just starting it once again, which we'll get yeah. to later. But it's just what is Margot Robbie working. working on right now? Uh, a couple things I think. Let's see. I'll pull her up on IMDb. But I know that she's oh she's doing the new Oceans movie. They're doing an Ocean's Eleven prequel movie with her and Ryan Gosling where uh, she is the mom of the Ocean's kids. So Danny Ocean. Whoa. Yeah, it's like in the 50s. What is Ryan Gosling doing in that? He is the dad. Wow. I know. How about that? Good for them. Works for me. Sign me up. Yeah. But like, I kind of think it sounds great. So... Yeah. That works for me, and, and it's clear that she's picking projects that, that work for her. I mean, her last three are are just awesome. Babylon, Asteroid City, and Barbie, like, banger after banger, those three. So, uh, so I only I saw be, Barbie. I will be three. seated, though. Well, that'll probably come in at our, <laughs> our end-of-year 2023 discussion, because I'm sure probably, you won't have, have Asteroid City near, near the top at all. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll be seated for anything Margot does, because... She's probably the, one of the biggest stars of the last 30 years, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so other news, Chad Stahelski wants to make the Blade movie. And that would be maybe the greatest thing of all time. Chef's Kiss. Sh- chef's, kiss. chef's Kiss. 
yeah, would be full blown chess kiss. kiss. So yeah. Chad Stahelski, for those who don't know, uh, is the man behind the John Wick movies, uh, which are just incredible, and I'm sure I will talk about later in our 2023 top 10 list. Okay. Uh, so I, I feel like I should preface something to anyone who's listening. I am very a very recent movie movie connoisseur, yes. for lack of better words. Hunter has been – how many movies do you have ranked? You had like a spreadsheet for a while. Is oh, it over 1,000 now? It's it's pretty close to a thousand now, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I I recently became an AMC Stubbs member. That was a big step in my welcome to the club movie career. But yeah, I'm not as like in tune with the movies. I'm more of like a watcher and enjoyer. He's more of like a like pick it apart, learn about what's coming next. Like I'm kind of just there for the ride. So I feel like that's important for me to know because a lot of these movies I'm gonna be like, look, I haven't seen them, but I'm excited. It sounds cool, and I'll like be Which able I think to that's give good, like a, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's an opinion that isn't like super. I don't know what's the word here. What's it's more the of the I'm casual moviegoer versus the person who's more into cinema in and of itself. Yeah, which I think is important to have both opinions, especially on a podcast, because you really get to see both sides of the average fan. And yeah. I think that works well. Um, yeah, exactly. So, Charles, have you not seen the John Wick movies? I haven't seen any of them. But that being said, this is unbelievable. Well, I know it's like a like, like a, like let's go fighting all the time. This guy's like awesome. But um, so I've your John Wick knowledge comes from Fortnite, basically. Kind of, yeah. Probably half of it. The other half's from Fort or from uh, TikTok, where you just see guys like I'm John Wick, and they're like parkouring over a like a staircase. So like that sounds cool. Yeah. Well, they're incredible, uh, and I will definitely talk about it in our top ten of the year. Are they kind of like James, not James Bond, because that's completely different, but like the movie style, like you have this, this spy or someone undercover and they're plotting or trying to. So it's like a world of assassins. It's a world of assassins. So John Wick in the first one is a retired assassin. And basically he got out of the assassin game. And then uh, these gangsters kill his dog and he wants to get revenge. But because he gets revenge, the whole assassin world sees that he's back. And so now John Wick 2 through 4 is the assassin world basically saying, you were out, now you're back. Either you work for us or you got to die. And so it's been three yeah, movies awesome. of him just that's avoiding sweet. death. He just avoids death the whole time. And it's okay. awesome. Now that reminds me, the TikToks I see are like, like me or John Wick when I step on my dog's tail accidentally. And it's him just like breaking through a wall. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, okay, that makes sense now. That makes a lot of sense. No, and it's this incredible, like, world-building, underground world of assassins, which I think why that he would do so well with Blade, because especially with it being set in the MCU, are we supposed to believe there's this underground world of demons and vampires that we haven't seen? Well, why not make the guy who created an underground world of assassins do that? And I think it would work really well. So I'm fully in on if this could happen. My biggest thing is I think he's too busy to probably do it, especially because they want to get that Blade movie off the ground. Because uh, he's got a What's lot he... of movies in development right now. He's got Highlander with um, former Superman Henry Cavill, Ghost of Tsushima, nice. Black Samurai, uh, Sandman, Rainbow Six from Rainbow Six Siege. He's making the movie of that. He's doing a lot of stuff. So if he can fit it in, sign me up. But yeah, dude's I, just, I don't know if it's going to be a possibility. He's going to have quite the resume after the after like four years. 
I mean, only thing he's directed right now is just John Wick 1 through 4, which honestly, that's better than 99% of directors ever. So sign me up for whatever he does yeah, next. Yeah, for real. He's got everything <laughs> yeah. going on. No, so I'm, I'm fully in on this, and I think it would be great if he could, if he could get it together. Um, but yeah, I, we'll talk about the MCU probably in a few podcast episodes, but they need to make some changes there. And I think one of the biggest yeah. things they can do is pick better directors. And that's not yeah. to say negative towards other directors. I think that they have a very specific formula that works well. They pick up-and-comers that they can control. But I think it's about time they realized maybe we need to pick some more established people who can really lend their voice to this this franchise because um, it's a lot of sameness. But we'll talk about that soon enough. Yeah, we'll talk. Uh, well, I was going to say something else, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, the last kind of piece of news kind of goes together, and that is the Safdie brothers are no longer working together. So I said this to you earlier, and you looked at me like I was crazy because uh, you didn't know who they were. <laughs> so I'll tell you who they yeah, are I might, right now. I, yeah, yeah. Just remind yeah. me because for the yeah. for the viewers. No, for the viewers. Yes, yeah. listeners in the pod. Um, so the biggest two things they've done is Good Time and Uncut Gems. Those are their two kind of biggest claims to fame. Now, they've been directing for a long time, but those are kind of their two uh, one-two punches. Uh, then Benny Safdie got more into acting. So most recently, you most people probably saw him as Edward Teller in Oppenheimer. That was the uh, the gentleman who wanted mm-hmm. to look at hydrogen bombs. And he was I the, thought he was Yeah. The son of a gun who was rude and didn't shake a, or no, uh what's her name didn't shake his hand at the end. Yeah, yes. She didn't shake his hand. Uh yes. he was also great in the Obi Wan series. He was in one episode as I forget what he was, but he was in there and I thought he was pretty good. What are you doing? He was just one of like one of the guys. I don't know the hell. The boys. Kind of he was just one fr- of the boys. He's one of the guys. Very yeah, he's just hanging anyway. out, being a yeah. being a dude. No, exactly. So they broke up. Uh, they mutually parted ways. Kind of weird to break up with like your brother. So we'll see how that turns out. Well, so if shame. one of them is acting, is the other one just going to continue directing? See, that's what I thought. I thought maybe Benny was going to shift over to just acting. But the piece of news that goes with this is the fact that The Rock is now going to make an A24 movie with Benny Safdie. That's awesome. this is amazing. I'm fully on this. So A24, huge studio for indies and smaller movies. Uh, They're probably the premiere, the face of that indie world. Think of things like Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Iron Claw, um, many, many other movies. And so The Rock is doing a wrestling movie in that world. And I am fully in on this. That's going to be awesome. I am of the camp that The Rock is a good actor, but he I'm chooses not to be. Well, okay. I don't think he gets the opportunity to, okay. to show his like true acting. He's the same character in every movie. Yeah. The exact same character, same kind of acting in every movie. There's a great you know? thing on Twitter where it's like, this is my favorite Rock movie, and it's him in the jungle with like one of those jungle shirts on. And it's that's a picture that could be in like four different movies of his. Exactly, he does. And the so, same thing. yeah, he comes in, talks about Terramana Tequila, beats up a couple guys, and then just leaves. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the Rock. And I think he's way more than that. And I think that this is a great choice for him. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have enough money. So he's he's made all the money in the world. So he might as well make some artistic projects. Uh, and I think this is going to be great. Like. 
I I think it'd be awesome if in two years we're talking about how The Rock won his first Oscar, and that would just be that'd be nuts. incredible. I mean, I would just be so excited if he did that. Uh, it's a, it's gonna be a wrestling movie. He's gonna be just oh, is he the lead? I cannot wait. He is the lead. Uh, it's yeah. about it's called the Smashing Smashing Machine. Um, it's gonna be his first non-blockbuster film since Pain and Gain, which is another great movie that just like no one saw for some reason. Um, he's playing a U- MMA and UFC champion Mark Kerr. Uh, and so he's very excited. And he's like, this, he's like, for me, box office doesn't matter for this role. He's like, I want to just showcase who I am as an actor. Show and people what I can do. He just wants to, you know, he, he wants, just wants to, to shine. Just yeah. wants it. And I think this is a great role for him because it's, it's, like, it's something he can tap into from his own personal experience being a wrestler. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really but cool. Yeah. Um, but it's just exciting. Speaking of money, did you ever see that clip of, it was him and Kevin Hart. And the interviewer, or no, he's like, or the interviewer's like, yeah, like, I heard that you bought your mom a house. That's incredible. And then Kevin Hart's like, it's about time. And then everyone like starts laughing. And Kevin Hart's like, I mean, a billion dollars later, it's about freaking time. I love the, I love the one where uh, he's, it's him and Kevin Hart also. And the the interviewer is like, so, um, so Dwayne, if you were Kevin for a day, what would you do? He's like, kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what did kevin say to that he was just like what are you talking what why <laughs> um <laughs> god they're uh, awesome they're so awesome uh but actually chuck if you didn't know this is actually not the first time the rock was supposed to do a dramatic role uh he actually auditioned for the bear and we have an exclusive clip of that right now fx internal audition tapes uh the rock auditioning for the role of carmy on the bear take one Hello, Mr. Rock. Thank you so much for coming out today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so basically, this role is you in a kitchen, and we just want that drama. You know, we want we want to see what you can really do as a character actor. So, Rock, why don't you put yourself in the mindset? You are 30-something, you're in a kitchen in Chicago, and life is beating you down, but you must keep cooking. So let's just do a little improv. Go from there. Um, all right, Mr. Rock, uh, that was that was fine. Um, I think one of the big issues is we don't really get lost in the role, all right? Um, are you understanding what this role really takes? Of course, jabronis. The Rock is aware. Uh, okay, Mr. Rock, I, I, I don't think this is going to work out. I, I appreciate your time, um, but maybe we have something for you in the future. End of internal audition tape. All right, thank you uh, for leaking that clip to us. We really appreciate it, especially with the podcast just starting, that, uh, that <laughs> FX was able to leak that clip for us. Um, so now let's get into our topics for the day. Chuck, do you want to start with why the DCEU died, or let's talk about What If, season two? I mean, I've got so much We can also talk about, about the Obama that. list. You're going to have to remind me with that one. I, I okay, saw that we'll list. do that last. And I had, we'll yeah. save that for last. Of these three topics, DCEU, What If, and Obama, I have... By far the most to say about what if. All right, let's do what By if season two then. Far and away. Far and away. All right, let's do what if season two first then. Okay. All right, with that. explain to me why you like it and I'll tell you why I don't. Okay, well, I got to pull up all the I got to pull up all the episodes. I got the episodes right here. All right, me, then I'll explain why I don't like you it. You explain. Let me pull it up. What if as a concept is incredible. I think it would work so well, especially in the medium of 
you can do animation. You could do whatever you want. It's going to be really just amazing. My biggest issue with it is they decided <laughs> to basically make it a linear story, which is maybe one of the worst choices I've ever seen. What if should be standalone stories that do not connect any single way? I don't have an issue with them making Captain Carter the focus and making it her kind of story throughout, but then just make a Captain Carter show. Because I would much rather spend than nine episodes with her instead of ten minutes here, four minutes here, and then the last three are all about her. If you're going to do what if, do what if. If you're going to do Captain Carter, do Captain Carter. You're doing them both a disservice by putting them together. That is my biggest issue. And he falls silent because he knows I'm correct. You're not. Okay. Explain what that. If. Okay. Problem is, I'm really bad at articulating this stuff. Like, That's I just, a great like when I podcast. think something is good. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm gonna get better, hopefully. Um, yeah. Look, I watched What If as it released over the over Christmas time, and I think that contributed to why I enjoyed it so much. You know, like vibes were great. Um, was feeling good over Christmas break, and I was just like excited every day to watch a 30 minute little little short of Marvel. You know. Um, Look, I thought they were all fun. Objectively, were the stories as good as the first season? I mean, probably not. Like, you compare Nebula joins the Nova Corps to zombies in the first one, and, like, there's just a clear winner in that comparison. Yeah. But that being said, I, ju- I think it's interesting just seeing, like, what can happen in Marvel Universe, like, what how movies could have gone. Like, Nebula joined the Nova Corps, I thought was, like, good. I thought the next one, Peter Quill, was, like, fine. Happy Hogan saving Christmas. Fine. It's after those I started getting in, like really into it. Like Iron Man landing on Sakar, I thought that was sweet. Like you see yeah. how he can bring his his. See, that's what I want out of What If. Like okay, like, so I guess uh, yeah. Um, I guess I was going through each episode and kind of unpacking to talk about your Captain Carter point. I mean, yeah, you can make a Captain Carter show, but that's not what happened. Like, like, uh, like, technically, this is what if, you know, like, what if Captain Carter did this and that led to this and that led to this. Like, to me, it's not like I, you could have a standalone, like, what if this happened? And then in a completely different time and different planet storyline, this happened. Like, you could do that. And that's kind of like what you were talking about. But, like, technically, this is still all what if. What if Captain Carter became the first Avenger? Okay. That caused all these other what ifs like what if this happened what if this happened and it's all just like a continuation of that first what if and i think that's really interesting see yeah like i don't disagree like i think that's an interesting concept i just think that the name what if and the idea is wasted like i really like season two episode five with captain carter and black widow i think that's one of my favorite episodes of the season except for the last 30 seconds where she gets pulled into a different dimension like i think that what worked well of that is that it carried over from season one. I think you could just do that. Give her an episode of season that kind of continues her story. And we see over three story, three seasons or four seasons, whatever, the Captain Carter story. And we could put all those episodes together and we see a full-blown story. I think where it's ruined is you have an episode like the 1602 Avengers. And I think that concept is now yeah. wasted 
because it's on the backdrop of a we have this Captain Carter story. And it's not a bad Captain Carter story. It's more of that the it's wasted in the fact that I'd love to see the 1602 Avengers fight a 1602 villain. I just think that's the issue. Um, I didn't have that issue with that episode. My issue is that Captain Rogers, you know, this he's made out to be in the MCU as like the most, you know, dignified, um, just American man, honest, um, determined, proud. Like he's just like the greatest character. You know, there aren't any faults. Yeah. And they make him in that episode as a liar or they kind of make him out to be. Like, he's been this guy hiding the entire time. This, this, I don't know what you call it, rift? Yeah, rift. This rift keeps coming and pulling people out of the, you know, it's not killing people, but it's causing a lot of damage. Rogers has to know it's him because he acknowledges it at the end when he's glowing green, when he's like the chosen one. Um, yeah. If he was Captain Rogers, he would have gone back immediately when, if, when he found out people were getting hurt, you know? Yeah, no. 100%. That's my issue with that episode. I don't really like Captain Carter. I thought was fine. Um, her being involved wasn't a hindrance in any way to that episode. It was really just Captain Rogers not really being consistent with his character. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. So, what did you think of the new hero then? The new hero of of uh, Kahori. The... Oh, loved her. Thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought that episode was great. I thought that was awesome. Like, I, for my opinion, I think that episode, the first episode with Nebula, Iron Man, and the Captain Carter solo episode are the four best. I think uh, the ones that are, those, I think are the ones that work well for me. Kohori, far and away, is number one to me. I agree with that. Um, Iron Man, I agree with that. Wasn't the biggest fan of the Captain Carter Hydra Stomper. I don't know. I just wasn't really into that. I really liked the Hella one. I thought that was interesting. Well, character yeah, I thought for that was Hella. fine. Also, yeah. what what is that Hella called? Like the glowing white Hella? Is there a certain comic book variant of that Hella? I looked it up. I don't know. It. Yeah, no, I couldn't find anything of that. But I, I, I liked it. it. I liked that design. Yeah, I thought it was also, great. Yeah, my big issue was didn't love the finale. Um, I just I think it, it's it's felt like kids playing with action figures and making like the ultimate <laughs> paddle versus you might, like an yeah. actual resolution of the story and yeah i don't know you might be i'm actually more excited for season three because i think that season three can be done really well if they focus on what if stories and seems like captain carter stories because now that i understand what the show is i'll take it for what it is that's just kind of my two cents on it like i, I think that the ending worked well with kind of Captain Carter looking out at the multiverse and maybe becoming a multiversal Avenger. But I, I just would like to see more what if stories. Like the fact they haven't done what if the other side blipped is crazy. Whoa. Like how have they not done that yet? That is the most obvious. That's so much to a what if story episode. But is it really like, like you just have the other half blip and then it's a 20, 30 minutes of them doing Avengers Endgame, but with the other half. I think that would be really... Or it could be even if the other half blipped, they failed. And then they go on that story. Like, they couldn't have solved it. And that would be really interesting, too. That is... Yeah, that'd be a good story. That last episode, 
coming out of it, I texted you. I was like, that was awesome. Like, all gas, no brakes. That was sweet. Um, and looking back at it, it's cool seeing all them fight with all these, you know, multiversal weapons. Like, Captain yeah. Carter got, got Hela's um, crown. She got, I think, Mjolnir. She got the Infinity Stones. Like, she was just a juggernaut. Um, and then Kahori was like Robin to her Batman. It was pretty sick. Um, I, I, thinking back on it though, it was kind of just like, like let's throw everything we have, make a really cool fight scene, and then that's that. You know? Yeah. Um, didn't really make sense that Doctor Strange also turned. To yeah, try I thought to he save, like uh, resolved Rachel. that. It was kind of his whole thing. He resolved, and he just didn't yeah. resolve it. I thought that was his thing at the end of season one. That was, or no, in season one during that episode, that was his thing. Like he was imprisoned because he didn't solve it. And the watchers talking to him like, Hey man, you messed up, messed up. And Dr. Strange is like, I wish I could redo it all, you know? Um, yeah. so that was a little, a little weird. The, re- the redeeming, the saving grace I'd say for that episode was seeing Loki's tree. Yes. I think that's why I texted like, you. I was like, Oh my God, Loki's back. Even though he's, the show literally just ended, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's clear that there needs to be a more direction for the show. Like, give me the other half blipped. Give me what if Spider-Man was recruited by Steve Rogers instead of Iron Man. Um, like, there's so many you could do, and I just feel like they're wasting what what if could be. Like, what about an episode where it's like, what if, uh, st- like, what if. Iron Man never got saved after Infinity War and him and Gamora actually died on the way back to Earth. Like, that would be really cool. So it's like, how would Endgame happen without Iron Man? And so oh, who Iron would Man sacrifice? and Nebula? Yeah, when they were, uh, when Captain Marvel found them in oh, Endgame. See. Like, what if that didn't happen? What if Thor had gone for the head? Like, how well, would I mean, things be different? If Thor had gone for the head, I feel like that'd be a pretty short episode. Thanos True, dies. but then would that have would that have brought together different people? Would that have you know? It's like, it's like let's see where this goes. There's ways yeah. to do it, and I think that they're taking the easy way out instead of trying something new. But well, I feel like they they are trying something new. I feel like the easy way out is taking all those blockbuster like their biggest movies, biggest you know turning points and scenes, and then making what ifs out of that. They're trying to get creative with it and kind of dig deeper into like really nitty gritty um plot points in the movies i feel like that's them yeah not taking the easy way out trying to challenge themselves but then again like know your consumer we want all those big blockbuster scenes yeah so i i I just think it's it's a, a poor version of what it could be yeah but we'll wait season three on the way when is it coming yeah, probably next year, some point, or this year. Now that we're in twenty twenty four. Okay. So that was Can't what be. if uh, I give it like a five and a half. I thought it was fine. Give it again. I'm gonna give it an eight. I liked it. I enjoyed right. it a lot. Looked forward to it All every right. morning. I'd wake up, grab my coffee, and go watch. What I did if. like that. I did like that. It was, it was awesome. That. Yeah. No, that was actually great. Um, All right. So now, Obama or death of DCEU. Uh, we can do death the DCEU. All right. So the DCEU is dead after, let's see, one, two, Recipes. after like 15 movies, it's Recipe. gone. Oof. Oof. Um, 
from 2013 to 2023, it had quite a decade run. It's actually crazy how much success the MCU had in that exact same time frame. Oh yeah, it's that's crazy that the no, DC it's actually, like you could what not are they doing? replicate that. So, kind of listing off some of the movies, uh, Man of Steel, still, in my opinion, incredible. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice was number two for some reason. Then they pick Suicide Squad as number three, Wonder Woman, and then the one that basically killed them, Justice League. Mm. Uh, are there any of these movies that you truly love? Because I have two that I love. Um, if I'm being frank, three, I haven't I seen three a lot that of I these. Love. If I'm being frank, I haven't seen a lot of these. Um, these came out around the same time as Marvel, and I went the Marvel route, and I never went back to to kind of see what was up i saw justice league um and honestly this is actually this is good to note i didn't see any marvel movies before avengers i probably saw avengers when it came out in 2012 i probably saw it on fx movies on cable tv in 2014 yeah. or 15 i saw it and i was like oh my god this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life this is so cool so fun um and that's kind of what got me interested in marvel i was like every time the avengers are on i want to watch it this is like my movie saw justice league probably a couple years after that when did it release you said 2013 you know probably Uh, after that 2017 was justice league i probably saw justice league in 2018 or 19 and i was just like this is not i I went into it thinking like oh sweet another avengers and it just wasn't wasn't anything yeah so i was never really motivated to see any of those other movies so for me, I was DC day one. I was at Man of Steel opening night. I was at all of them opening night. I think the biggest issue with Justice League, besides the behind-the-scenes stuff, which we can talk about, was the fact that there were only four movies before it, and you killed Superman in the second one. Man of Steel happens. Very divisive, but I'm of the opinion it's great. I think it's a way for Superman to learn that he is all-powerful, but he needs to make the smarter choices moving forward. And Batman v Superman is kind of the next step of that. But the fact that you've been kill Superman in that one and he can't continue to learn before Justice League is very dumb. Suicide Squad, the fact that Suicide Squad made more than Justice League is a huge kind of statement. Um, and then Wonder Woman was great, but then Justice League kind of faltered. And I think the biggest issue with Justice League is the fact that you needed to know so much beforehand and the team was really fractured going into it before they even started. You go into it and Batman is grieving the lost Superman. They need to put a team together. And it's probably one of the worst villains of all time in Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah it was not good. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, it was not good. Um, but then afterwards, a year later, Aquaman comes out and makes a billion dollars. And so it's like, all right, are we back on track? And instead of using that as a launching platform to do some more interesting stuff, they release two movies in the next basically two years. And I think that was a huge thing that struggled with. It was like, all right, Aquaman did really well. Let's release Shazam. And it's like, all right, Shazam is great. We're back on track. And then they release Birds of Prey, which I'm of the minority opinion where I think that's also a very good movie. But people didn't really love that. It didn't make a lot of money. And then when COVID hit, they were basically stopped again. And so then Wonder Woman 84 came out, 
that was panned and it's just a real bad yeah. movie. But then in the background of all this, the Snyder cut was leaking over everyone's mind and they finally released that and it was better. Like the Snyder cut was just better. Um, and then they just couldn't put anything together. The fact that we didn't get a Batman movie, the fact we didn't get Superman 2, the fact that like it took after 2017 Justice League it took basically 6 years to get a Flash movie like the, it was doomed from yep. the jump. It was doomed from the jump and it's a shame to see but I think the biggest thing to come out of this was that casting was well done. It just missed from a creative standpoint. So we'll hope that James Gunn can kind of put something together and make the DC work because I I'm of the opinion that DC has better heroes overall. I love I am team Spider-Man, team Daredevil, team Captain America for life, but I think it's so much more interesting to watch heroes that are as powerful as Superman and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. I think those are the heroes that I would love to see in this new era because I think they just work better. But that's I'm more of a DC fanboy though compared to you, Chuckles. Yeah, I'm more of a. I mean, that's just what I grew up on. Like, no, hundred percent. I I wasn't huge on superheroes until I saw, like I said, the Avengers, and after that, it was it was on. Like I was yeah. just a huge MCU. I like Batman. I've liked all. I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy is just like goaded. Um, Batman's great. I was a really big Aquaman growing up or Aquaman fan growing up, like I played in Justice and I thought he was the coolest coolest ever. But I've just never really been super into the movies or doing anything beyond like video games and yeah. Batman movies. So from so from June twenty seventeen to no sorry, from November twenty seventeen to February twenty twenty, they released four movies. Then from October 2022 to December 2023, they released five movies. So they were just churning them out by the end. They're pumping them out, yeah. And the only one that we liked, that you liked more than I did, was Blue Beetle. Yeah, baby. I, I liked Black Beetle. Adam. I liked Black Adam. I, Sneaky, actually also liked Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. That was the newest one that came out? Yeah, that came out just okay. before Christmas. Right, I liked right. it. Didn't love it. I think it's pretty equivalent with the first Aquaman, which I also think is good. Not great. Um, but yeah, no, for me, this is just, it's a shame the DC universe was wasted for a decade. It could have been something great, especially with the actors they had. But I don't know. So I'm still so Blue Beatles just the best. Blue Beatles just one and done. Like that's all. That's all she wrote for him. According to James Gunn, Blue Beetle will return especially because I think there was no true connection to the greater DCEU. And so now this, whatever this is being called, the DCU, we'll see. Um, but I think Blue Beetle will probably return in some form or fashion. I think it'd be a waste to have a, a good character kind of be wasted. But also it's like, are we starting our universe now with Blue Beetle? Like, like what are we doing? It's DC. Have a Superman movie. Have a Batman movie, have Wonder Woman, bring them together in a trinity, and then go from there. Make a make a new Flash, make make Green Lantern, please make Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern's awesome. Make Green Arrow, Green like, 
like I don't know what we're doing. Now, here. what would your thoughts be of a green arrow in the DC? Let's say it's called the DCU for just yeah to simplify. It. What would your thoughts be if they took the same actor from the Arrow show? I like him a lot. I just think it'd be confusing. I think they need a full clean slate. Like I'm very excited about super, this new Superman movie. I think that David Corn Sweat is going to be great. I think that they have an awesome cast around him. I think the fact that it's going to be finally Lex Luthor, Superman, uh, you have the Daily Planet, you have Lois Lane. I think that everything is coming together to be really strong. And I like the idea that this Superman is now joining a world of heroes. That there already is this established kind of heroes there, but there's no true order. There's no one they look up to. Because I think you can do it really well where it's a DC universe with heroes, but they're more just random here and there's. There's no true symbol of hope. And I think that's what Superman needs to become. And I think that's the biggest thing that they struggled with in the old DC universe was that Superman should be the symbol of hope, of what is better and what can kind of all heroes should look, look up to. And the closest they ever got to it was Batman kind of explaining that he messed up. And it never truly kind of came around to the fact that Superman should be what everyone wants to become. And it's not from the powerful standpoint, but it's from the humanity standpoint. And they never did it. And it really was just a waste of what I think could have been great. And so I hope that they understand that going into this new Superman legacy movie, which we'll see next year. So that was poetic. That was, uh, thanks man. I was profound. No, I, Superman is mine. Like Superman's my guy. Like of all the heroes. Yeah. That's the sideshow fig you want to get. Yeah. No, like Superman is my, like I love Spider-Man and Daredevil, but Superman is my one. Like that's always been. So back to the green arrow thing, just really quick. You said it'd be confusing. I feel like it's the same as bringing Daredevil into the MCU. You know, but that's because sh- the show works, and the show you don't is now the connected. Arrow show works. I think it does work, but that Arrow show also had its own Flash, also had its own um, bring Bear, bring other that, heroes, bring Grant Gust or Grant Gustin. Yeah, but then that he also rocks. had its own Lex Luthor that wasn't this Lex Luthor. Now they 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 hired. It's got all of this lore built in that I don't think mm-hmm. can carry over. Yeah. Which is the bad part. And also, they had their own Superman. So you can't bring it in. Oh, yeah, you're right. Of the Superman, Superman and Lois show, which is a good show. Girl. Yeah, so I think that it just gets it gets too confusing. The now, I'm... So I agree. I'm of the opinion that they need to get some awesome... They need to just start churning out some good stuff. Like, it should be two a year. And with HBO Max, they could do a movie in May, a movie in November a show in July and just start going. And then after, let's say you do four or five years of that or three years of that justice league, bring them together, have them fight something. And then that goes from there. And it's like this. Now we have the universe. Yeah. It's such a simple formula that Marvel did well. And the fact they didn't copy it is crazy. The fact that Marvel's not continuing it. Yeah. Which we'll get into that. They're going going. I th- yeah, we'll do a whole pod on how to fix the MCU in our opinions, but it's just, it's crazy. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, anything from the DCEU that you just, you wanted to finish on? Um, I mean, just that I'm, like I said, never been a DC guy. I adore the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and the fact that James Gunn is taking over the DCU 
makes me yep. really, really interested. Like, I think James Gunn is going to be cohesive. Um, they're going to be, like, well-done movies. They're going to follow that superhero con- – um, what's the word? Construct? Not construct. Yeah. Formula, like, like you formula, said. Formula, whatever it is. They're going to follow it – or he's going to follow it well. He's going to create some very endearing characters. Um, or not create, but I guess build up, develop some really great characters. So I'm really excited. Um, I loved Blue Beetle. I know James Gunn didn't do that one. Um, but I didn't know anything about him and going into it, and I thought it was great. So very high hopes. Yeah, I think it can be done very, really very well. High I just, I hope they do. Like, I I, I hope that it works. Because I, I think it's better, especially in the world we're in now, if you can have both studios pushing themselves to be better. Mm-hmm. Because I think that keeps the product really high quality, yeah. and it should be what it is. Right now, I think it's keeps them clear Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we got to talk about Obama. I Obama I'm has at this been, list. Okay, for I've those who don't know, Barack Obama does this thing where every single year he releases his favorite movies of the year. He also does it with like albums and things like yeah, that. But for us, we're talking about the too. movies. I think he's lying. Why would he lie? Because I, I okay, I'm of the opinion that he picks things that make him seem like a cinephile, where he needed to just throw one <laughs> thing in there that isn't. Like, I believe. Okay, so, so I'll read you the list right now: The Holdovers, Blackberry, Oppenheimer, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Monster, Past Lives, Air, Polite Society, A Thousand and One. All of those are great movies. But I find it hard to believe that that is his list in reality. He's just As we're about to do our guy. lists. Yes, as we're about to do our lists, I think it's crazy <laughs> he can't toss in just one dumb movie he liked. Throw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there, please. Yeah, yeah. where is Mission Impossible? Just, yeah. There's no way that he sat there and was like, yes, this is my list, without putting it together in a way that made him want to think he's more like cinephile. He does this every year. And I think it's the biggest lie. I think sneaky. It is the, sneaky. The I feel lie. like he saw the super Mario movie and just loved it. He yeah. loved it. And he felt guilty that he loved it so much. Uh, I hope he has a letterboxd account. That's like secret. And it's just like, uh, he walked out of something. and was like, this is disgusting. One star. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. yeah. My fellow Americans. I did not like, any of these movies that was good like i thank you no that That was was good good. uh i just think it's bull i think that he's lying and i think he does it on purpose to like i love the holdovers pick huge fan of that number one is none of these are bad movies i'm here they're all great movies i just think that he's lying like i think that he needed to put something else in there that is more normal or it's like i've like he's not a robot just to prove he's not a robot yeah why didn't he put barbie in it i'm surprised he didn't put barbie in it Yes, that is what I'm saying. Like, I think it... Like, why couldn't he have been like, you know what, I also really liked Creed 3. Like, what is the negative of saying, like, I don't know, I just think it's a lie. He's, uh, he's like, you know what, I was actually a huge fan of Dungeons & Dragons. Ooh, that'd be crazy. If he had My Dungeons fellow Americans, I did not like Dungeons & Dragons. Like, that'd be, that'd just, be nuts. <sighs> if he had it this, in his top ten. It bugs He's got me like the popcorn bucket too. Like he like he takes a picture yeah. in his room and there's just the popcorn bucket or in his uh, office. Yeah, like I, I just don't. 
Wow, he didn't even like Wonka, this guy. Yeah, he's got no taste. No. no taste. I see it every year, and it annoys me. Uh, but speaking of top tens, it is time for the 2023 I'm... top ten movies of our year. Waiting for so, it. Chuck, okay, how do you want to do this? Should, should we do... Should we I say... say we go through the number of films that we watched. Okay. You know, give the yes. sample size. Um, I saw 24 films. This year from 2023. That released in 2023. Yeah, released in 2023. I saw more, but I saw 24 that were released this year. Um, Okay. I saw 62 films that were released this year. (sighs) Okay. Uh, Okay. I think we should save some honorable mentions for the end. I feel like, yeah, okay. Cool. Because I have some that I really like that are not in my top 10. And also, I don't know how you're doing this, but my top 10 is my top 10 favorites. Because I have some okay. in like the 15, 16 range that I know are better than what I have in the top yeah, 10. Yeah, just better movies. But I just don't like them as much. And that is, for me, like I, I did it based on what I liked the most. Yeah, so the way I, honestly, that's how I ranked them. But then yeah. reflecting on them and looking through, it's pretty, honestly, on the, on the nose and the way I ranked them. So like okay. my fives and four and a halves and four or three, like it's very accurate just the way like I ranked them um, in both ways. But yeah, I ranked them by favorites and that's kind of how I rank movies like out of five stars as well in Letterboxd. Like I go by a couple things. One, just like how much I enjoyed the movie. If I sat there and I just loved every minute of it, it's probably going to get a four or better. Um, yeah. I also look at it objectively as like a movie, just like, you know, was the cinematography good? Um, I'm a huge fan of a score, like a really good score on a movie I'm is like, yeah. huge for me. Like Godzilla minus one hubba hubba that hubba, had me, hubba. hubba hubba that had me going in the theaters, but sweaty palm alert when I watched yeah, that. Yeah, that was menacing. But yeah, usually kind of just objectively as a movie is probably like 40% weight and then just how much I enjoyed it, like 60% weight. All right. I'm in on that. Yeah. Uh, then do you want to give honorable mentions before or after our top 10? Uh, I think we should do after. I think we should do after. Cause then we don't say what they are and then we, we kind of, yeah, okay. Mystery. We can do after. We can do All after. right. So starting with number 10, what did you have on 10 of the year? I had Wonka. Nice. Thanks man. <laughs> yeah. I Am really I liked ex- Wonka. I loved yeah. it. Um, I said before, I'm a really, I'm a sucker for musicals. Greatest showman, La La Land. I love them. Um, and I feel like Wonka had a very similar feel to the, like, same as those movies, or to those movies. Um, Timothy Chalamet, I thought he did a great job. I thought the music was great. Um, it was very colorful, lively, fun. Um, I saw it with you and Jenna, and neither yeah. of you guys shared the same sentiment. I was like, wow, that was awesome. I really loved that. And you guys were like, ah, it was fine. I liked it. Well, Jenna hated it. I liked it, it quite a bit. Yeah. Jenna really didn't like it. But yeah, I thought. Definitely top 10. I loved it a lot. My number 10 is Anyone But You. Uh, I really like this movie. Objectively, I know it's not a great movie, but it just scratches the itch in my brain of the rom-com in the best way. And there's another rom-com that came out this year that I'll talk about later, but Anyone But You was really really well done from the idea that it takes this old Shakespeare and makes it into a modern rom-com worked really well I think Glenn Powell might be 
the next biggest movie star of a generation, the amount of charisma that man has just sign me up. Whatever. It. Yeah, he just sweats it out. It. Oh, it's yeah. everywhere, leaking from the screen. And it was funny and just cute in like the best kind of way. Um, and it's hard to turn it down. I think the comedy was great, especially in a year with another great rom-com. This one just worked better for me. And I mean, loved it. It was fun, cute, nice, man. and sexy. Good for in you. The best ways. That's cool. Thank you. I didn't see it. No. I really wanted to. I was going to watch it this week, um, but I didn't get over to the theater. So That's okay. Hey, It's on me. Happens. It's on me. If only you had AMC A list. If only. Yeah. If only. What would you have at number nine, though? I had air. So I'm with Obama on that one. I think we both yeah. had air on air nine. <laughs> you and the president are uh, the exact same. We're, yeah, we're, we're the exact same, pretty much. But um, I, I really like these kinds of movies, like historical movies that tell a, um, like a, like a, like a, a real thing that happened, especially when it comes to business. Like Social Network, not that this is the same as Social Network. I think Social Network is better, but um, I think it kind of followed the same rubric in a way. Um, talks about a company, what they did to, I guess, succeed and grow a ton. Um, this was a particularly cool story because Michael Jordan, the goat. Um, the goat. And yeah, that is our opinion as a podcast. That is Michael Jordan is is the it goat. It is Michael Jordan. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. But we are anti LeBron uh, James. Okay, I'm not anti LeBron James, but we're anti LeBron James for the goat position. I'm I'm very pro LeBron James at the number two spot in that ring. Yeah, he's the best number two that there ever was, besides Scottie Pippen, who is officially the best number two. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Air, good movie. I I just I enjoyed all of it. Love those movies, as I said. So it's my number nine. That's a great number nine. Uh, I have at my number nine my biggest surprise of the year. And that is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Good Which movie. shocked me. I thought Why? this was going to be a pile of garbage. Why? Uh, because I'm so... Okay, I really The trailers like, were sweet. Anyway, you can cut a good trailer to a lot of things. I really like the first Hunger Games. And I think the second one is even better. And third and fourth are kind of eh. Mm-hmm. I did not expect much from this movie. And then Tom Blythe gave an incredible performance as Cornelius Snow. I think the story worked really well. I think that Rachel Zegler is becoming a movie star right in front of our eyes. She did awesome. She was so good. She was so good. And I think it just all worked really well. There was never a moment where I was like, this isn't working. And it was just, it just worked really well. Yes, a lot of movies better than it this year. But for me, biggest surprise of the year I just re- really, really liked it. I just think it worked really well. Uh, and I would watch another one of these of kind of his rise to power and maybe to see that first quarter quell. Like, it'd be crazy. Why not? It'd be great to see Haymitch's. Yes, it'd be great to see Haymitch's. Like, I don't know why you can't do just every few years, give us a new one, and give us the ones of the people we saw in the 75th quarter quell because that'd be kind of cool mm-hmm. to see, like, now we really know their cool. backstories. Because uh, I think the first quarter quell was um, Mag's. Who we already know, so yeah. see a young that'd be, Max, that'd be sweet. Um, so yeah, I was in on that. Another thing about that movie, it's so. You know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna save it. It's on my top ten. See, oh, that's coming a little, up. That's a little spoiler. It's on my top ten. Um, little tease, they call it. Little that tease. In the biz. Who knows yes. where it is? But 
I don't. You know it's above. You know it's above nine. Also, one more thing about air that I remembered right as I finished. As I said, I love those movies that talk about something that happened in history. It doesn't have to be sports necessarily. I saw I saw Dumb Money this year. I don't think you did. No, that was the one I missed. I was devastated by how bad that movie was. It just wasn't Ugh. like I saw the trailers and I was like, "Whoa!" Well, first I thought, "Wow, they pumped this out really fast. Like this just happened two years yeah. ago or three years ago." But it was just. <sighs> It was just slow. Like maybe there wasn't enough story to tell. Maybe it was too soon after. I'm not a big fan of Pete Davidson, so maybe him being in it was. Was there any part with like big Reddit mods in the movie? Yeah, yeah. They they went. Oh really? Reddit. Yeah, they went through Reddit oh. a couple times. Um, oh, I mean, it was just I like my, funny. That... My karma for Reddit's, please. Yeah, this almost... guy wore like a. I forget his name, but he wore like a cat fedora? shirt. No, he wore oh. like a cat shirt and 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 a bandana. I think no, a, yeah, bandana. Um, that was like the guy that did all this GameStop stuff, though. A tip of the um, fedora to you, sir. That'd be cool, too. That'd be cool. But yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan, so I was kind of disappointed. Air was great. That was a little disappointing. Anyway, my number eight. Number eight. Godzilla minus one. Ah, oh, so good. So, so good. good. So good. Yeah. So I gave, I think I gave this four stars. Um, yeah, I gave this four stars. You gave it four and a half. Um, I did. The one so another way I grade movies is if I'm sitting in the theater, and I think that this is like kind of a stupid way to grade movies. But if I think to myself like I'm sitting in a theater watching a movie right now, and I like can't pay attention completely to the movie, then that's automatically like a like a oh, shoot, I couldn't keep my attention. Like I realized like yeah. I am in this theater watching a movie, and this is probably like two thirds of the way in. It kind of got slow. I got kind of tired. Um, so that's why I didn't give it four and a half or better. But like the score was, I already talked about it, but it was so good. It was so, so good. So good. And it was just like for the budget that they had, I mean, good grief. Like that was just a, a good movie. Yeah. No, I, I'll give you another little tease. I'll talk about that movie in a, in a little bit. Nice. Yeah. A little tease. That, that might be coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, but at my number eight, I had Barbie. Barbie was awesome. Now, this movie was high up on my list as the year as it came out. Uh, and it started to just kind of slowly trickle down as the year went on. But I really love this movie. I thought, it'd be, I thought it'd be good just from the people involved. But it really kind of blew my expectations out of the water. I think Greta Gerwig made an amazing script. And Margot Robbie was incredible. I think it's weird to think that there's a world we almost lived in where Amy Schumer was Barbie. And I'm glad we don't live in that world. Uh, that would have been tough. Ryan Gosling, though, as Ken. He's sublime. He's literally, he's he literally su- me. Like, he's sublime. Just like me for real. And it's, uh, I mean, amazing. Uh, <laughs> right as always. Oh, oh exactly. <laughs> Love that movie. Uh, and I think it works so well. I think, honestly, my biggest complaint with it was someone who I don't think has done a great movie in a while, and that was Will Ferrell. Uh, Will Ferrell? Why, it's Ferrell. Uh, What? Ferrell William. Will Ferrell, not Ferrell Williams. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, I think, was fine. I don't think he has had a great movie in a while. I think he was boosted in this movie by the people around him. Yeah. Uh, I think this is also a great Kate McKinnon role, who she has struggled to have a good movie in a while. Um, But no, Barbie was great. I... I have very, very good things to say about it overall, and I, I think it was just awesome. 
but please don't make a Barbie 2. Like, leave it where it is. Sometimes movies just need to be standalone. And I think it's yeah. I feel like Margot Robbie wouldn't want to do another one. Just like from the way, like the interviews I've seen with her, like her sentiment towards this movie, I think she kind of understands that this movie is like very, is very powerful. And I don't yeah. think that she'd want to jeopardize what this mo- first movie is by making a second one. I, think, I agree. I think she. I think yeah. I did hear there was maybe talks of like a Ken movie, but no. Just leave it where it is. Yeah, it's fine. It's beautiful the way it is. But yeah, that is my number eight of 2023. Nice. Now, you're not going to guess this, Hunter. Oh, But my number seven is actually Barbie. Yes. Yeah. Sublime. Sublime. Um, Yeah, I agree with everything. Uh, The one thing that you didn't touch on, and this is like the only thing I'll, I'll add on, the message at the end of the movie, like I almost cried. Like oh it was, yeah, it was, it was great. It was very touching, um, and I, yeah, I just—that's kind of all I have to say about it. It was just a no, really, yeah, we covered really it, touching but... message. Um, maybe like very proud. I think it's incredible from what they did from the source material to make it into what it was is really cool, and just a really well done movie and script overall. Yeah. So that was quick. That was a quick number uh, seven there for you. Well, I mean, you like you. No, it covered it. I'm not going to repeat everything. No. Well, I got one coming up that you already touched on, but at number seven, one we haven't talked about, the Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. Nice, nice pick. I didn't see it, but I bet that's a good pick. Well, let me tell you about it. (laughs) Heartbreaking. This movie broke me for a bit, and I'm someone who doesn't even have brothers, and I was like just crying watching this uh zach efron yeah dude this movie Whoa. oh was this the um the, the zach wrestling efron one. yes, yes. Wrestling okay movie. yeah so zach efron incredible in this like i think he should be nominated i doubt he'll win just with the the year this is but i i do think he should be nominated for his effort in this role and how well he just transforms into this character uh also, he's super jacked in this, like insanely jacked, clearly on some roids. But the fact okay. that this story is so heartbreaking yet works so well, I think is a testament to this movie. Because I think a lot of times when we watch sad movies, they're sad for the sake of being sad. And they miss the telling the story part. Where this does tell the story, and it ends on a, on a hopeful note, which works really well. And I also found out after they cut one of the brothers out of the movie who also died because they thought it was too sad. And it was unbe- it became unbelievable how sad it was, which is just insane to think about. Um, but no, Zac Efron was incredible. Jeremy Allen White was incredible. Harris Dickerson was incredible for the part he was in. Um, and just an all-around amazing film that might take a lot for me to watch again just because of how heartbreaking it is. But to watch a performance, I think I might have to just to, to see it again. But yeah, that is my number seven. That was a heck of a recap. That was thank you. Makes good. you want to see it now, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I don't want no, to cry. No, it's it's real sad. Um, yeah. Well, should we be going through like how we rated these out of stars? If you want to. Okay. Everything um, in my top <laughs> ten is four or higher. I mean, same. Wonka, I gave a four. Uh, Air four. Godzilla minus one four. Barbie four. And my number six coming in hot. Oh, the Hunger Games, Battle of Sunbirds and uh, Snakes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I gave that four and a half. 
again, echo everything you said. Um, it was just, it was great. I, what's the woman's name that is um, in charge of the games? What's that actress's name? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Viola Davis. Yeah, she's just incredible. Like, she, what other movie did I watch? Her? Oh, Air. Yeah, Yeah, she's in Air. I watched her in Air, and I was thinking to myself, like, when we have our first episode, I want to mention that, like, this woman is just, like, this actress is, like, she commands, like, like, a, like a presence or something on screen. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, she, like it's, it's fun to watch, but, um, yeah, I thought this movie was great. What's the Snow's name in real life? Uh, Tom, Tom Blythe. Tom Blythe. It's, it's crazy seeing how he is in real life compared to what he was in the movie like it's crazy in like in uh interviews with him and uh rachel zeigler um like their chemistry is just so fun to watch and they're like very good friends and just seeing that compared to what it was in the movie is just makes it that much better uh to me but yeah echo everything you said didn't really expect the ending um i really like the line at the end where he's like something about a mystery like the only or like it eats at you or something you remember the quote yeah it was something about like how a mystery is the thing that like eats you alive that's why he doesn't like mysteries yes yeah that was yeah. very cool um but yeah besides that i can't really add that much like I, like these movies because you've already rated them and i agree with everything you say so like that's no but one, th- I don't wanna... one thing i did think about for this and it maybe was my biggest audible groan and eye roll of the year was when they're together and she picks like a plant and she's like, oh, this is Katniss, but it's not ready yet. I, I maybe had the, <laughs> the biggest eye roll of all time. I was like, this movie is cooking, it's cooking, it's cooking. And I was like, are you kidding me that this is a line in this movie? I like that. It's fine. Ugh. It's like two seconds long and it's just a nice little, nice little, here you, you might go. as well just wink at the camera and be like, mm, "You know that hero coming later? She's on her way." It's like I what think it's fine. Here? It's one thing if they made like a huge thing about Katniss and like, I guess oh, so. it's it's a it's a symbol of hope in our district and like it always brings flourishment. It's one if, one thing if they did that, but like, oh yeah, this is the a Katniss plan. It's not ready yet. It's not right. Yeah, it's fine. Well, so you're wrong, agreed. but yeah, no, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, well, my number six. Is Godzilla minus one? Tough. I tough adore this movie. The atomic breath scene, maybe one of the best scenes of the year. Uh, Wait, which one was that? Was that when the bomb gets dropped on Godzilla, or when he just like lets it rip? When he lets it rip. Oh, that was that was yeah. Also, the score, like you mentioned, incredible. But one thing I think is really important is when the score in the final scene cuts out when uh, he's doing the final bombing run, and you don't know where his plane is. And then you see Godzilla charging, and then it goes silent. And then finally you hear the propeller of the plane. Works so well. Uh, also, best hair of the year, maybe, on the one doctor in the movie. Oh my god, yes. His hair was... That guy was a silver fox. Yes, just incredible hair. He was sweet. Uh, no, overall, just an outstanding film. And I'm someone who likes the American Godzilla, like the Godzilla Kong movies, this Godzilla is on a completely different level. Uh, just, I mean, it just felt authentic. Good. Yes, it, no, it felt real. It's just incredible. Uh, but you already kind of talked about everything else, and I, the story of the film I think works really well, especially this idea of like 
the government is the one that makes us go to war, not the people. And the people can be so much more than what the government has them as. I think my favorite scenes were the fishing vessel scenes with that fishing group. It was, was like Dunkirk. A, yeah, it was they just like a did Dunkirk. Little, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I think it was, it was like, so oh, who's going to save us, the people? And it's like, ah, oh, yes, this is exactly what we need. But that is my number six of the year. But now we're in the top five. Dude, I'm. I looked at this top five a couple minutes ago, and I am ready. I think really we're gonna have three of the same top five. I know for a fact that we have three of the same top five. So what's your number five? Holdovers. Oh, not on my list. Four and a half. I gave it four and a half. I watched over winter break. Um, I think it was like two weeks ago. I watched it. Um, and I saw trailers in theaters, and it kind of gave like a warm, old-fashioned, like seventies, eighties type feel. No, 90s, because it, it takes – yeah, it takes place in the 90s, right? No. No, it's earlier. It's 70s. Yeah, it kind of well, – it gives that 70s, 80s feeling. Um, I saw it in, in theaters, the trailer, and I was like, wow, this looks really good. Like, I'd like to see it. And then I realized it was a Christmas movie, and I was like, okay, well, it's probably not going to be in theaters for super long, or like I'm not going to see a Christmas movie in theaters. Um, I saw it a couple weeks ago, though, and I just – like, it was – I saw a letterbox review and it was like, this movie is a glass of whiskey on a cold snowy day inside by the fire. And I was like, I cannot think of a better explanation for this movie than that. Like it's not your cookie cutter Christmas movie because I mean, for starters, it's rated R there's a lot of cursing. Um, and there's a lot of kind of like dark moments about the main characters, but like through these dark moments, you have this this really cranky old man, old professor, teacher. Um, everyone hates him, and it's very clear at the beginning of the movie. Like he's just, you know, I think they call him a Nazi in the movie. Like he's just not a. He was the saddest man of all time. Oh, he was so depressing. He His like, body stinks because he's got a sickness that makes him smells smell like bad. fish. He's got hyperhidrosis. His eye, he's got a, a lazy eye. Nobody likes him. He's like, funked out of college. Which wasn't even his fault. Wasn't like, his fault, yeah. It's the saddest man alive. Yeah, and you they set him up to be like this this horrible, horrible person. And then you have this this um, other kid, the 17-year-old, who has discipline problems and kind of lashes out pretty often. And these two are the holdovers. Like, they have to... And then you have this third woman who just lost her son in war. So these are the three holdovers over winter break. And it's just really it, – it, like throughout the movie, they make you like this professor, this teacher more and more. And this kid, it, you just see that he's, he's a kid. Like he doesn't know any better and the dude just wants to be with his family. And it's just – I don't know. There's a lot of arguing, but at the end you can tell it's like all out of love. And I also saw another Letterboxd review. It's like there's a handshake in this movie that tops – a lot of on-screen hugs when it comes to just like like yeah showing compassion and care for another person like they shake their hand or shake each other's hand at the end of the movie and like i don't think either of them are crying but it makes you want to cry so uh i'll be honest i just liked the holdovers yeah i know you did i gave it three and a half like i think objectively it's a good movie but it just isn't for me uh I think a lot of it works, but I also think a lot of it doesn't work. Um, and he's too sad. He's just too sad of a man. Like, I, I feel bad for him the whole time, and it's just... 
I, I, I like the movie. I think Paul Giamatti is wonderful in that role. Uh, it's just it's not for me. You ever watch a movie with someone, like, you've seen the movie they haven't, and you're kind of, like, looking at them like this, like, yeah. what do you think, you know? That was me during that movie when you were watching it. I was like, oh, boy, I can't wait to hear what he thinks. And you're like, yeah, it was fine. It was a good yeah. movie. I was like, God. Sorry, man. What a, whatever. Uh, but my number five, and what I noticed is that all of my top five have five-star reviews. So for my number five, uh, I have John Wick Chapter 4. Just which these five stars around, huh? Oh, I'm generous for <laughs> fives. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4 maybe one of the best action movies ever. I know you haven't seen it because uh, lame, but okay. it is outstanding. There are two main scenes that I think of right away in this movie. Uh, him going up the stairs at the end where he has to go up all 220-some flights or steps of stairs and then gets knocked all the way back down. Also, the way the <laughs> over-the-head shot of the apartment where he walks through looks like a video game in the best possible way. I don't know how they choreographed that. That, that one shot is just outstanding. Um, this movie works so well. Keanu is... He is fully John Wick. And I think what works well is you don't really... You understand him as a character, but you don't need to know that much more. You know he has a mission, something in mind... And it just has to move forward. He is the unstoppable force. And the immovable object is this world of assassins that wants to take him down. Yet nobody seemingly can. And the end of the movie is kind of vague if he's if he's dead or not. I'm of the opinion he's not. Um, but if he is, what a way for John Wick to go out. Just amazing. And I, I easily think one of the best action movies of the last decade. By, like... I mean, outstanding film in the best possible way. Um, but that is my number five. Cool. I feel like we should probably put a disclaimer that there are spoilers in this podcast. Listen, I feel like I watched you, the movie just now. If you didn't see a movie from March and it's now January of the next year, I yeah, think spoiler, like, spoilers some are Some of these movies released pretty recently. True. But also... You should probably see John Wick, because it came out okay. almost a year ago. But what do you have for number four? Ooh, this is this is probably my hottest take on my top ten. Oh. And it is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Very good movie. I love this movie. I wanted to put it in my top three, but then I, I saw my top three, and I was like, I can't justify putting this above those. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, and... I liked it for oh no I gave it four no four and a half I saw your review is four um, I loved the artwork for starters like the animation mm-hmm. style that they used yes I thought it was so cool so fun to watch that kind of what that's kind of what drew me into it in the first place like seeing the trailer I was like oh it's just another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie but then seeing the animation I was like whoa this is actually really interesting um, really cool to watch so that's one thing I liked about it um, I like that they're like like kind of kids like they're yes, like finally. almost teenagers but they're exactly. like actual just actually just kids like the in teenage the other Mutant ninja turtles are teenagers mm-hmm. they, yeah it's such a simple concept they finally did in the <laughs> in the show they seem kind of like 18 year olds like the nickelodeon show that's the one that i've seen i know you've seen the old one that you always sing the song to i um, do the 2003 um, one is the goat 
but yeah, the Nickelodeon show, they seem like 18 year olds, like kind of adults in the movie. They're literally just like grown turtles that are just beasts. Um, and they're not teenagers at all. So like, this was really cool because they were young. Um, and yeah, I think you told me this and I didn't really realize it until after you said this, it seems to be kind of following or attempting to follow the same movie structure as, uh, into the spider verse. Like you start yeah. out with this movie, like an intro introduction movie. And then at the end you kind of introduce it for another movie. And that's kind of when the main villain's going to come. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Shredder, obviously. Oh, I am so excited yeah. to see how they do Shredder. I hope Shredder is terrifying. Yeah, yeah me too. But yeah, like, I just thought fight scenes were really cool. Um, all those other mutant animals were really cool as well. I just really like this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that this it's an amazing movie. Didn't make my top 10. Uh, I think it is, let's see, 14 on the year for me. Uh, but I, I really, really like TMNT. Um, yeah, no, it works really well. My number four, which I'm sure you'll you'll talk about again soon, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, easily the best ending of a trilogy in the MCU, I would say, of all the trilogies. Maybe No Way Home. Uh, but I would no, argue it's, it's that... better than No Way Home. It's better than No Way. Home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another thing about it's definitely the best trilogy. Best yeah, I think the Guardians trilogy is incredible. We talked about it earlier, but James Gunn doing Superman, like this gives me so much hope for what that can be. Uh, I watched it twice in theaters. I think that the fact that they have gotten more emotional depth out of Rocket Raccoon than some movies could ever wish to get out of their main human protagonist is amazing. Nuts. And I also want to say that in a year where Bradley Cooper is going for an Oscar, uh, this is his better performance. Him as Rock Raccoon is maybe the best thing he's done. And I know Mastero is his big Oscar push, but this is a better performance in all ways. I love it. I think Chris Pratt is incredible. I, I think that what works really well is they had this big question mark of how do you take this team that's been together and then obviously the wrench of Gamora. And I think that what they do with it is so strong. And I yeah. think that it works really well because they didn't take the easy way out. It would have been very easy to be like, oh, she gets bonked in the head again and remembers all everything or something. They they chose to not do that. And I think the the ending of her character and Peter Quill of I bet we were fun is just mm-hmm. maybe one of the best lines in the MCU. Um, just an amazing film overall. What a way to send off this team where it kind of leaves it open to they could return, but also I don't know if I'd want any of them besides Star-Lord to come back. We know Star-Lord's coming back because the end thinks that Star-Lord will return, but I'm I'm happy with knowing that the Guardians are out there protecting the universe, yet Star-Lord will come back, which I'm sure he'll be an Avenger or something, but Guardians are definitely coming back. To... Yeah, but see, I don't know if I'd want them to. Like I do. Are you kidding me? King Groot? I just I think it's more. Fu- I, I'm worried anyone else takes the reins of James Gunn's characters. Who knows? But yeah, what a, a way point. to end that trilogy. Uh, and that is my number four of the year. Four five stars for me all day. Speaking of uh, Bradley Cooper, did you see that podcast? And they're like, "Would you rather win an Oscar this year or have the Eagles win the Super Bowl this year?" And he's so like, he's "Oh, the Eagles." He's like, "Eagles, hundred <laughs> percent." 
That man is out for an Oscar more than anyone I've ever seen. Like, it's crazy. Uh, but good um, for him. Trying for it. All right. Top three. The podium. Top three. Top three. And like I said, um, I wanted to put TMNT in the top three, but I simply could not justify it with the uh, the absolute powerhouses running up the top of my list. Um, oh, here we go. Number three, Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. Number three. Um, and I would honestly say that's a pretty considerable jump from TMNT to Across the Spider-Verse. Um, granted, Across the Spider-Verse is the second movie. It has more development already. So like that's probably, yes. that's probably a big it's part. A, it's also a clear part one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you're probably going to describe Across the Spider-Verse better than I ever would be able to because um, you're a Spider-Man guy. I just thought, did I give it, f- I think I gave it four and a half as well. Um, my only problem was it was a pretty long movie to end it on that kind of like cliffhanger. Like it was, yeah. what was it two and a half hours? And I was like, okay, when's it going to end? How's it going to end? There's no end in sight right now. And then it ended. I was like, okay, that's, I'm not the biggest fan of that. This next movie, I will be there the first or second night because of that. But so maybe, maybe they're geniuses because of it. But, um, I just thought, I don't even want to describe it. You're going to describe it so much better. It's, it's an incredible film. And yeah. Is that your number two or one? Actually, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Spoilers. What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because I don't All want right. any redundancy and I know that you're going to want to describe it for longer and I'll probably at the end of whatever you say, just say like, yeah, I agree with everything. So my number three is not Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah. Uh, as you will come to learn in this podcast, I am maybe the biggest Mission Impossible fan of all time. Uh, I am a Tom Cruise fanboy through and through. And Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is just a testament to the ability of true filmmaking. From the motorcycle jump to driving through the streets of Rome especially in a year where two films drove through the streets of Rome and we got two very different outcomes of Fast X and Mission Impossible, this film works so well on so many levels. And the thing that I think works best about it is it's Tom Cruise taking on AI, but it's really Tom Cruise taking on the way filmmaking is done. It's just in all of this analogy for how he believes in filmmaking where Ethan Hunt as a character believes that things should be done by hand, done with a team, done by humans, and done in a way where mistakes could be made, but it should be done in a way where humans are involved, where the AI predicts choices, it makes its decisions, it does things that technology does, and that's fundamentally disagrees with Ethan Hunt. And that's just the way Tom Cruise sees making movies. He doesn't want to do things with green screen, doesn't want to do things the easy way out, doesn't want to do things with CGI. He really jumped off that cliff. He really does solo free jumps and does the halo jumps. He does all this stuff because he believes that's the right way to do and make movies in a time where that's the opposite of the case. And I think this works so well as a movie. Another part one, we got two big part ones this year, and this was one of them. Uh, And this is another big cliffhanger ending of what's going to happen next. But I will be there day one to see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2. Ethan Hunt as a character is maybe one of the best characters in fiction, in my opinion. I I just love these movies, and I can't get enough of them. Uh, 
so yeah, that is my number three on the year. Five stars all the way. All right. Cool. You didn't see it. You didn't see it, did you? Didn't see it. Nope. Unbelievable. I did not see it. But you also have what is it? Mission Impossible Fallout. Like that's one of your favorite movies ever, right? Mission Impossible Fallout is top four all time for me. Yeah, I watched that movie and I was like, okay, it's fine. It's a good oh. movie. Um, so I don't. I think this would be. You're telling me you watched Henry Cavill cock his arms? That like was they were guns? I mean, finding out yeah. that that wasn't scripted. He just like did no, this once because he, he had done too many arms. takes. Yes, and then they were like, "That was awesome. Keep doing that. It looks like you're reloading. Like that. Yeah. That's really." But that also ties back to our conversation about the DC universe, where the reason he had to do that fake mustache in uh, Justice League was because of Mission Impossible Fallout. So there we go. Full circle moment for us. Full circle. Look at us. Look at who'd That's have awesome. Thought? Not me. Um, all right, number two is Oppenheimer. Whoa! Yeah, it's not my number one. Whoa. It'd be crazy if I just didn't have Oppenheimer on my list. I was I was getting nervous. <laughs> what if I just didn't have Oppenheimer? Like it was number like fourteen or something. Um, Please tell. So Oppenheimer, you know how at the beginning I said forty percent weight is just purely Simona and sixty percent how much I enjoyed it. Yep. This is where I max out that that cinema, forty percent. Okay. Like like objectively speaking, this movie is just it's so good. Like yes. The, the writing, the acting, the cinematography, the score, everything about it is just so so good. Um, it's not my number one, and I'm not going to tell you why just yet. But it's not the kind of movie that I could watch over and over again. One because it's like three hours long, and two, it's, it's just it's a pretty de- like all things considered, it's a pretty depressing movie. Um, yes, the ending especially. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, and it's not the kind of movie I would want to watch over and over again. But like watching it, I was fully captivated. I watched it over break, um, and it, it's just I, I, it's just insane, really. Um, Cillian Murphy, I had never seen anything with him except for I think he was in the dark. Batman Begins. Oh, he was in all of them. He was in all of them? Yeah. yeah. So, like, oh, that's right. He was. Um, so, I had only seen him in that. And I hadn't even realized it was him. But he was so, so good. Um, I really liked his relationship with Einstein. I thought that was a really interesting part of the movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, five stars easily. Number two. I won't touch on it because it comes up pretty soon, but. Mm-hmm. My number two. Oh, I wonder what Sp- this one is then. Is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Ah. Uh, I. I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. I I agree for a sentiment that the ending is quite a cliffhanger, but I think it works so well, especially with wondering like who Miles could be in a different universe if, if things changed, how he could become the Prowler. Um. I think another thing that is awesome is from the first film of anyone can wear the mask to the second film being it's how you wear the mask that matters. That is such an important thing, especially with the idea of Spider-Man 2099 basically being like, you are not Spider-Man. You are a mistake. But that's not true because Spider-Man is more of an idea than a person. And I think that is what is why he wears a mask and, and is why Spider-Man covers his face is because Spider-Man can be anybody and it's 
it's more so about the way you go about being a hero. And Miles is that hero, uh, especially compared to the villain, which is Spider-Man 2099, of kind of not being that hero. Uh, I'm convinced the twist will be that Spider-Man 2099 was not meant to be a Spider-Man, and he is a mistake. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm pretty sure that is it. Because he has to inject himself with serum to basically unlock yeah. his powers. But there's other Spider-Man keep... that have to do that. Okay. That's how I think that's how he also was in the comics too. Was he had? Yeah, to I looked. Himself. I looked up all of his powers, and I think that his shtick was that he was trying to, I guess, maybe become spider-like, like unlock those powers, and he experimented on himself with the serum, and then he became Spider-Man 2099. So he has alternate powers from like a usual Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, I forget what the powers are. But that's why you He's never got the fangs and the claws and yeah, you never yeah. see him shooting his own webs. Yeah, but I, I I just think everything worked really well. I think Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, their relationship with her and her father is just amazing. The way that her world changes with colors based on the relationship that they have that is was done so well. Aw, that was and that's great. what I think the visual style of animation can do so much differently than live action. And it works so well for this movie because when in that medium, you might as well use it to its fullest potential. And they do in both these movies and they do, especially in this one. And so I, I think it is done extremely well. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, I cannot wait for part two. It's going to be so good. The spot is an incredible villain. Uh, just so excited to see what happens next. See, it's a good thing I didn't I didn't summarize it because I agree with that, and I just spared like two minutes of yeah yeah. So um, okay, my number one. This is the one movie that I think I can describe a little better. All this right, is the one movie that I think I can describe better. Oh, I know um, what this is then. It's Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yep. Um, this is my favorite MCU movie. Um, one of my honestly probably top five movies of all time. Um. I went into this theater. So I love Guardians. Um, they weren't really my favorite going into the movie. Um, frankly, I was pretty worried going into the movie because of all the other stuff the MCU had, had come out with in the past like year and a half or two years. But literally everything about this movie was just the, like, the greatest. I loved every single moment of it. Um, I mean, like you said, Rocket Raccoon, they made James Gunn is just brilliant because he made a talking raccoon he made a talking raccoon what is what are the words i'm looking for i cried three times because of, of a talking raccoon and every single time it was different feelings yeah so like one time i cried because i was really sad because i was Whoa. just like heartbroken from what rocket raccoon went through um with his friends uh, when he's getting tested on. One time I cried because Rocket Raccoon was like fighting back against um, the High Evolutionary. That's it, right? Yeah. Okay. What a great villain. Um, oh my god, he was so good. He was so good. Um, so I can talk good. about that too. But I cried because he like hit his uh, his boots, came down to the floor, and finally rec- or called himself, acknowledged Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I cried just because of like like from sheer joy. When he said that, I was like, oh my god, he said it. He did the thing. Um, they made that raccoon so lovable, so endearing for such a, like a, like a, 
just a, I guess, what's, I don't know what the word is, but he has a personality, like a very kind of off-putting personality in the movies, Yeah, you know? And he, he made him really lovable and showed all of his flaws, his weaknesses, his vulnerabilities, made us all love him. Um, Drax the Destroyer, his name is literally Drax the Destroyer, and they made him a father in that movie and showed who he really is, who he was meant to be, that this Destroyer was just a facade because of things he had gone through in his past, and he was finally you know, welcomed in a community, encouraged to be a father, and he didn't have to fight anymore. Nebula, you see what she's gone through in the first movies, and you see what she becomes. I love that we saw Gamora, too, who wasn't used to having that good relationship with Nebula. And Nebula's not as, you know... Like, yeah. you can see Gamora's very, um, very averse, disdainful towards Nebula, but Nebula's like, look, I have nothing against you. This is my family now. You can join us or, or you can leave, you know? And Gamora doesn't understand. Like, we're sisters, but Nebula's like, look, like, it, it shows her development and that she's, like, trying to create a community as well. Um, I mean, Groot's Groot. Not much to talk about with Groot. Yeah. Um, high evolutionary. They finally made a villain that you just cannot relate to, cannot understand. Like, he he was so just absolute with his thinking. You know, so radical, willing to do anything to prove that he's right. He was, like, killing animals, killing his the people that he created just to get after this subject and he was just brutal and just did not show mercy and everyone hated him you couldn't relate to him at all and he was like the first villain where i feel like you just like every fiber of your being hates him you know yeah and i think what's so crazy too is you compare the high evolutionary to the villain in the marvels and they both have similar connections with our characters where the villain in the Marvels has a connection with Carol Danvers because she destroyed her planet. And the fact that you have such different opinions of those two villains, quality-wise, is it insane. Or it shows that one was almost wasted where one does so much better. And it's... I agree. He was incredible. Well, one of them, the Marvels villain, she wasn't inherently bad. Like, she just wanted her planet back. And she was getting... I mean, granted, she was getting the resources for her planet in a very, you know, unfriendly way. Yeah. Um, but, like, she wasn't inherently a bad person. She was just very against Carol Danvers because Carol Danvers kind of just... But just so forgettable. Yeah, she is. And this high evolutionary, just every... There was nothing good about him. And when they started destroying him in that final scene, it's just like... like I shed a tear. Yeah. It was great. Um, oh, also, I got to say the one thing I didn't like about this movie. If you if you say what I think you're going to say. I'm, I don't think I am. In the final scenes where all of the animals are coming across. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. And the monkey attacks that woman. That like, was a little. Doing? Yeah. I was, like, <laughs> was a little like. I was what? like, this is a happy moment. And it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. I, so I just watched that again last week. And I was thinking about that part when it was coming up and i was like okay maybe i watched it wrong maybe like there was yeah i thought i forgot it or like remember i like forgot the the point of it and i was like i want to see it again maybe i just like watched it wrong and then yeah literally it's a happy moment and this monkey jumps across and starts tearing the face off of this poor woman and yeah very weird very inconsistent didn't like that but um i thought you were going to mention when groot says i love you guys no i think that worked well and i think that's also him still speaking in, he, I think he says in that moment, I am Groot, 
but yeah. it's us as the audience understanding that we now can hear him. We're finally in the family. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, um, you know, in the first movies, Gamora meets Groot as an adult. Mm-hmm. Groot dies. They plant a new Groot. And this Groot is a son. Like, this isn't the original Groot. It has his no. own memories. Yeah, has yeah. his own personality. And Gamora is like a father to this Groot. Or not father. A mother. She's a woman. Um, Gamora is like a, a mother to this Groot. So when Gamora passes away, gets killed, Groot is left motherless. And so when he meets this Gamora and starts spending time with her, you can kind of see that he like just misses his mom. And it's yeah. really sad. And then finally at the end of the movie when Gamora's kind of warmed up to them and Groot's like, I am Groot. And Gamora's like, Gamora starts to acknowledge him and like answer him. And then she pauses and realizes and it just shows Groot. And he's like holding his hands all timid. Like this dude's yeah, a tank and no, he's enormous so and jacked and can pretty much stop almost anyone in that movie. But he's just like talking to his mom. And it's so sweet. No, it's so good. That it's movie so... Gives me uh, hope for the future of the MCU, but in reality, it gives me more hope for the future of the DC universe because yeah. James Gunn is gone and is overseeing all that. I agree. Uh, but that was your number one of the year. That was my number one. My number one is Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> give this all of the Oscars. I think supporting actor, Robert Downey Jr., lead, Killian Murphy, supporting actress, Emily Blunt, like... What an amazing film. And I think what's done really well that Christopher Nolan does, we talked about it earlier with Godzilla, but the music in this is so good. The, the can you hear the, can you feel the music? Uh, that score kicking in is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of going back and forth, especially going throughout his life and understanding who he is as a character, I think works really well. And I think the time jump does work really well. I think the people, I know you mentioned it uh, when we talked about it, but that, it was a little confusing at first what points in time you were, but I, I do think that they did really well with the, the color difference, with changing the saturation. Um, and I think what is really well done is it's not really looking at Oppenheimer as this figure in American history and world history as a negative. It's more looking at him as the scientist he was and how the people around him turned it into a negative, where... Yes, he built this bomb, but yeah. it was for the achievement of something greater. And okay, then okay. right afterwards, he tried to stop it. And I think that in moments like that, people make choices where it is, you have to do something for the greater good. And in that moment, he did. But I think he understood that afterwards, there might come a time where there is no such thing as greater good. Um, I think that's what the ending kind of describes, is is that his worry of, did we end the world? Yes, we did, of we're sitting here and in any moment, everything could change. One push of a button can change the course of humanity. And I think that's such an interesting thing to leave an audience with of this question of you sit with for basically three hours, you're sitting with Oppenheimer and you're learning from him and and you're understanding who he is as a character. And his biggest thing at the end is that he thinks he ended the world. He thinks he made this mistake. And of all the positives that came out of it, the the question mark of was it too much and did he go the wrong direction is just an amazing way to handle this movie. And it works so well. And I it, nothing but positive things to say about it. I think it might be Christopher Nolan's best movie. Like, I, 
I'm of the opinion that Interstellar wow. is incredible. I, wow. I think that, but I, I think from a technical standpoint, from what he did, this movie rocks. And also, quick shout out, the fact that he put together a cast like this was outstanding. Like, I look through the cast earlier, and like David Krumholtz, the guy from uh, the Santa Claus movies, who was like the elf friend, he's so good in this. Like Dane DeHaan is awesome in this, but I want to give a big shout out, huge shout out to uh, our boy Han Solo, whose name is escaping me right now. I'm trying to trying to find it real fast. Uh, oh yeah, but, that was him. Yes, yes, he was so good as just that small role with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, um, let me find. Like so good, and yeah, I think that ah. Just what a movie, and incredible. All Darren Reich, incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing but good things to say about Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. But that was our 2023 list. Yeah. Pretty Any honorable mentions? Oh, yeah. Um, just one more thing about Oppenheimer. Did you know that President Carter actually told um, Oppenheimer, he like called Oppenheimer a wuss. It was like, he's never allowed to come back to my office. I hate that guy. Yeah, I That's did see that. so wild. I did love that That's scene bonkers. of Oppenheimer being like, I dropped it. He's like, no, you didn't. I did. I yeah, just like, You didn't do bombs. anything. Yeah. yeah it's nuts. Uh, honorable mentions for me. You already mentioned it, but TMNT. Uh, mm-hmm. Saltburn. I loved Saltburn. Creed 3. Uh, Sanctuary. Extraction 2. Uh, the Boys in the Boat. I really loved. Theater Camp. Mm-hmm. Really loved. May-December was I thought also was pretty great. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Um, Saltburn was my 11. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Blue Beetle, I loved it. I mean, it's not top 10 worthy, but I just really like that movie. You didn't see this, and before I had hate, I thought Leave the World Behind was captivating and really interesting. Did you see it? No, I'm not going to Okay, see then it. you can't talk on it. Um, I just thought... Like, I, watching it, I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. And then they just end it. And I was like, okay, this movie stinks. Nothing happened. Like, this this idea is awesome. They have a cool cast, but then they didn't do anything with it. Like, they start setting up the movie with all these weird events. And then it just ends. So, kind of disappointed with that one. But, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, another one I want to shout out. Love D&D from this year. You like, um, no, you like No Hard Feelings a lot, right? I did. So that was kind of my two. I was tired. Like anyone but you and No Hard Feelings. I think No Hard Feelings might be the better movie, but I like anyone but you more. Okay. Like I, I don't know. Maybe you have to watch them again. Um, I had high hopes for Gran Turismo as well. And that was kind of. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Kind of mid. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that that is our, our list. 2023. You want to run through yours really fast one more time? Sure. Um, so, counting down, Wonka, Air, Godzilla Minus One, Barbie, uh, The New Hunger Games, The Holdovers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then in my top three, I had Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse at three, Oppenheimer at two, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 at one. Nice. Um, Thank you. Real fast for mine. Ten, Anyone But You. Nine, Hunger Games. Eight, Barbie. Seven, The Iron Claw. Six, Godzilla. Five, John Wick. Four, Guardians 3, 
three, Mission Impossible, two, Spider-Man, and number one, Oppenheimer. Um, but yeah, Respect. awesome first pod, Chuck. Uh, it's fun. Thank you to everyone. Yeah, that was good. Thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, next week, we'll be reviewing The Beekeeper. Uh, so real excited for that Jason Statham banger that we're about First to see. 2024. It's going to yes. be number one for oh. at least a little bit. It's going to sit there at number one, I promise. Yeah, it will. Uh, and I think we're going to do, uh, I think we should do a draft of Star Wars movies. Surely. Yeah, let's do it. I got to watch this again to make sure I'm, should, I'm fresh. I think we should draft some Star Wars movies because we have very different takes when it comes to Star Wars. We do. So we'll talk about that. Uh, cannot wait. But yes, thank you everyone listening to episode one of the Real Serious Podcast. And, uh, you know, have a good week at the movies.